Man, so good to see you guys. Um, we are so glad you are here. My name is Dustin. If you don't know who I am, I am the uh, teaching pastor here, and it is an honor and a joy to see each and every one of you. Uh, man, we have had two great, great services, and this one's going to be awesome because um, y'all are the troopers. Y'all are like fighting through dinner pains. So um, we're going to be here for six hours. I hope that y'all are excited about that. No, just kidding. How many kids in the room are excited about tomorrow? Yeah, all right. Some of the adults were like, we're big kids, right? I I'm excited too. But man, we are honored that you are here. And I always, I've said this to each of our services. Um, if you are a first time guest checking out a church, we would love for you to call this place home. It's an amazing, amazing place. And I don't just say that because I'm the pastor, but Oh man, I just, we have so many incredible families at this place and we want you to find a place for your family as well. And so make sure you check us out on Sunday mornings. Um, but if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter three. It'll also be on the screen. Um, and the passage of scripture that we're looking at this evening is not your traditional Christmas uh, passage. While it is a Christmas message, um, we usually do not go here. We usually go to the gospels and we go to the actual account of Jesus's birth. But the reason that we are reading um, and um, looking at Genesis 3 tonight is because really it is the reason why Jesus came. It's an incredible, incredible message. And so let's read this together right off the top of the bat, and then we're going to pray, and we will uh, dig in um, and to, um, to what God has to say to us tonight. So let's read this together. Genesis chapter 3. To bring you some context, this is where God has created everything, the very first book of the Bible. We see he created everything. He creates Adam and Eve. And then this is where we um, are brought up to speed. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And so right at the top, everything has been great. It's been perfect. God has created Adam and Eve in their image. And what we see is a serpent show up on the scene. Now, I'm just going to tell you right now, I hate snakes. Anybody hate snakes? All right, yeah, I'm with you, all right? If you like snakes, I'm sorry, okay, I'll pray for you. Um, but there is no such thing as a good snake unless it's dead, okay? Uh, I can't stand snakes. And so we see at the very beginning of chapter three, there's a serpent that was more crafty than any other beast. Now, when scripture says he's crafty, it doesn't mean that he loves Joanne's fabrics and Michael's, all right? He's not gonna em emboss something or embroider something or make a logo. He's crafty in the sense of this serpent is deceptive. He lies, he manipulates. And what we're gonna see this evening is as he shows up, he begins to manipulate what God says and deceives Adam and Eve. And so let's continue. He says to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. 
Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the, uh, the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man and he said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you. This is Adam talking. He says, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So then God speaks and he says to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Let's pray together. God, we gather tonight on Christmas Eve the night before celebrating just the birth of your incredible son. And as we look at this passage of scripture, I just pray that you speak your words, just ring true into our hearts and to our minds. That I know we, we probably have a lot of things going on in our minds about tonight and tomorrow, but Father, I just pray that we could just be calm and be still and just hear your powerful voice tonight. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, I about you, I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. I love the songs. I love um, the, the food. Amen. Okay. Um, I love everything. I love the decorations at the house. Um, I love that we're going to do a candlelight. Uh, we have a candlelight service and we'll do that as we close tonight. Um, at our house, just to show you how serious I am, um, we decorate the outside, the inside, and I have a 20 foot plus tall snowman in my front yard. All right, bragging rights, I'm just saying, okay? But we love Christmas. But have you ever really stopped and just thought to yourself, why do we celebrate Christmas every year? And don't give me like the Sunday school answer, it's the birth of Jesus, okay? We know that. But have you ever really thought, why is Christmas so important? Why do we have these traditions? Why do we go to church? Why do we do these things? And I know that the easy answer obviously is Jesus. But as it comes into our lives, do we really think about that during the season? Because if we're not careful for many of us, and this is me included, we think about all the other things about Christmas other than Jesus, right? Decorating the house, the food, the family that's gonna come over that we really don't even like, right? The, we gotta clean, you know? I mean, I feel like we've cleaned our house like four times this past week. Are you with me? All these different things that are just consuming our minds and our thoughts. And so then we gather tonight to say, you know what? Let's just worship Jesus. And that's what Christmas is all about. But really what God wants for our lives is not just a day, or a service, but a time for us, for it to reflect and to be a part of our lives. And here's why we love celebrating Christmas, because Christmas promises each of us, every single one of us, the hope that we so desperately desire and long for. Think about this. You and I are hope-fueled beings, aren't we? 
We go through life wanting something or hoping in something. I can't tell you how many times, probably over the last year, I've said things like, I really hope this will happen or I hope this will happen. Maybe you're in the same boat. I really hope I get this new job. I really hope I get a promotion. I really hope my wife doesn't kill me because I'm an idiot, <laughs> you know? Whatever, all these different hopes and dreams. But in the same um, experience and in the same way, many of us, we've had times of hopelessness in this past year. Times where it's just, we don't know which way to turn. I don't know what to do right here. I'm going through a really difficult time. Our finances are horrible. My marriage is on the rocks. I feel like my kids just completely run this house. I feel like a failure as a parent. Maybe you lost a loved one, made a bad business decision. And it just seems hopeless. But the beauty of why we gather tonight is that we gather because we see a promise in Genesis 3 that is fulfilled in the coming of Jesus and the birth of Jesus. And that's why we celebrate tonight because it brings us hope. It brings us hope. And so I want us to look at this in this passage. I know it's an odd passage for Christmas Eve. While it's simultaneously the most hopeless uh, moment in all of mankind, but also one that provides hope because God promises a hope giver. And we'll get to that in just a second. But if you really think about this, the origin of the story of Genesis 3 is really our lives. Because you might, I know it's easy to say, well, that's a long time ago. That doesn't really connect with me. I don't really understand it all. But no, this is a story that you and I relate to. It is our story because the origin of this story is everything that's in your life and my life that's broken takes place because of Genesis 3. The pain that you feel, the hurt, the shame, the brokenness, it's all because of what happens in Genesis 3. And it's a historical account. It's not some fairy tale that happened a long time ago that's like, okay, that's just some religious folklore. Man, it was historically, historically accurate and happened. Adam and Eve were real people. The serpent was real and sin was real and entered into our world. So not only is it historically uh, accurate and a real story, but it's a familiar story because you and I can put ourselves right there with Adam and Eve. And let me show you this, um, this, this uh, evening. The first thing that we see is that we see Adam and Eve, they struggle, they, we have the same sin as them. You might say, well, that doesn't make sense. I've never, God's never told me not to eat of this tree and I've never picked fruit. I don't even like fruit, Dustin, <laughs> you know? I'm not meaning it that way, but here's how sin develops in each of our lives. One is what we see with Adam and Eve is that their sin developed where it started, where they started to doubt God's word. The very first thing the serpent said is, did God really say that? Did God really say what, what, this, this, that you couldn't eat of any of the trees? And so at this moment, there is a seed planted in the hearts and the minds of Adam and Eve that says, you know what? Maybe I don't need to believe God's word. You know what? Maybe it's not that accurate. I don't, have to, I don't have to believe that. So they begin to doubt. And it's in that moment of doubt, if you think about this, that Adam and Eve put themselves in a position of power over God's word. I don't have to listen to that. So essentially, God says, 
hey, Adam and Eve, you can eat of all the trees, just don't eat of this one tree. And Adam and Eve, their response is, yeah, but. Yeah, but. If you think about it, if we're real this, this evening, many of us in our lives, we have yeah, but moments. God, I know God wants me and tells me to live this way. Yeah, but. Or, hey, I know that God has designed me for a purpose and a plan, and here it is. Yeah, but. God has designed me for generosity. Yeah, but. I mean, think about that. We're all guilty of those things, myself included. That's exactly where Adam and Eve find themselves doubting God's word. I don't really think it's true. Maybe it's not completely accurate or whatever. But also what we see is that they're struggling with, they doubted God's goodness. Out of everything that they could have done, they've, Eve focused on the one thing she couldn't do. Now, I don't know about you. I, I, I feel like as a parent, I tell our three boys this all the time. It is so easy to focus on what we don't have instead of being thankful for what we do have, Right? And oftentimes when it comes to following God, we blame God on all the things that we don't have instead of being thankful for the things that we do have. Number one, you're here alive and well. And so for us to be thankful for that. And what's so interesting is that the devil knows that. And so it's, like, it's almost like he puts a spear in the side and is just prying, manipulating, says, God, you're not gonna die from that tree. He focuses in and he manipulates God's word and they doubt the goodness of God. And for many of us, I often think this, that many people don't believe in God because they doubt his goodness. God's not that good. If he was so good, then why did I go through this this past year? If he was so loving, then why did I go through this, this time of pain and hurt? And so they're doubting his goodness. They're looking, they're, and, and Eve is right there. It's like, you know what? We could have eaten at all, all these trees. God said, you can eat, have your pick. Eat any of these. Just don't do that one. And they said, you know what? I'm gonna focus on that one. And he said we couldn't eat it. And maybe he is lying. Maybe God isn't telling the truth. And so, you know what? Let me do this. And here, here's where, where we can't miss this tonight is that the overarching premise of all of sin is that we wanna be like God, or we wanna be God. It says right here, it says, hey, he, you know, you shall not eat of that fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, whatever, all these things. For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw it, she says, you know what? You're right, I wanna be like God. I wanna be God. So we, you and I struggle with the same sin because we wanna be God. We wanna make our own, uh, our own plans and have our own desires and our own things and say, you know what, I, I know you're there, God, but I just don't know if you really have my best interest in mind. So let me play God. So let me do what I wanna do with my desires and everything like that. And here's the problem that we face is that because of that, hopelessness ensues. And hopelessness is a byproduct of sin. And so if you think about this, as, as we begin to sin and disobey and say, you know what? I don't wanna do God's way. I wanna doubt his word. I'm gonna doubt his goodness. I, I wanna be God instead of him. That's where hopelessness meets us. And, and can I just be real for a second? 
is that you don't need a pastor, you don't need a Christmas Eve service, you don't even need the Bible to tell you that something is wrong in our world. It is broken, messed up, and messed up. You don't have to look very far. Turn on the news for what, five seconds? Look on social media for 10 seconds? There is a problem, and it's because we all share the same sin. Our brokenness is a result of our sin. The second thing that we see in this passage is that we all are struggling with the same curse. Notice the outcome of when they disobeyed God and sin entered into the world. It says, verse seven, then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. Now, if you're from the South, it's naked, okay? <laughs> they knew they were naked, all right? So if you're from up North, you can just, you know, translate that, all right? They looked at each other, they sinned, their eyes were open and they, they looked at each other and said, we're naked. And it says, and they were ashamed. So as sin came in, now shame followed. Now think about this. I don't know if, if, um, if you're a parent and you have small kids. Have you ever like taken a shower or been in the bathroom and your kids walk in on you and you're like, oh my goodness, you know? Like you don't wanna scar your kids for life. That'd be weird, okay? But the thing is like we cover up, we wanna hide. That's our natural instinct. I hope so. I hope you're not like, oh, hey, that'd be weird. I know some of the moms are like, can I get a moment? Some of the moms are like, I'm just, I'm saying I'm going to the bathroom. I just need to get, I just need a moment for my kids, right? I think dads are like, why are you in there for 30 minutes, <laughs> you know? But the, our natural tendency is to cover up and it's because of the curse of sin because there is shame that follows sin. I've never met anyone, I said this a few weeks ago, that recognizes sin in their life and is so happy about it. I'm so glad I, made, I, I did this, or I'm addicted to this, or this ruined my marriage. It makes me so happy. No one says that. It brings shame. And so as a result, our tendency is to hide in that. And that's exactly what Adam and Eve do. That out of their shame, they wanna cover up their sin. So they sew fig leaves and make loincloths. And then when God shows up in the presence of the garden, the cool of the day, what do they do? They hide. And God says, where are you? Now, do you really think that God doesn't know where they're at? It's almost like when our kids were young and we play hide and go seek in our house, they would hide behind our curtains. Did your kids ever do this? And their feet are clear as day. And you walk in the room, you're like, I wonder if they're in here. And your kids are like, I'm not in here. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you just talked <laughs> and I see your feet. <laughs> I mean, it, God's gotta be like, okay. I know exactly where you are. And so what we see is that we hide ourselves from God. And here's how we do it. One, when it comes to our sin, we rationalize our sin. We justify it. And here's what we do. We kind of um, try to push it down and say, it's not a big deal. Our sin's not that big of a deal. It doesn't really hurt anybody. It's not a problem. I don't need to talk to anybody about it or what we end up doing also is we'll say, you know, I'm a really good person. This is just my one weakness. So we kind of justify it by saying, I'm really, really good. But yeah, there's this one area, so it's not so bad. Or what most of us do is we compare ourselves to other people. Like, I'm not that bad because that guy over there, oh my goodness, that guy's bad. <laughs> that girl is bad. She needs some Jesus, Okay. We all need Jesus because we're all broken. We all have sin. 
And so we, we try to rationalize our sin. The other consequence of this curse is that we blame other people for our sin. When we're going through something and, and we know it's disobedient and we know it's an issue, we blame everybody else. I cannot tell you how many times I've sat with individuals or couples and it's like no one wants to own it. It is a, well, this is a problem because that's just how I was raised. Or as simple as that's just who I am. You know, my dad did this or my mom did this and you don't understand. That's just a part of me. And so we, we blame them. Or we might, we might say, I didn't do that. They made me do it, right? So we, we blame people for that. That's exactly what took place when God showed up and said, what did you do? What was, what did Adam, what was his response? He said, this woman you gave me, God, she gave me the, the fruit and made me eat it. Now listen, guys, marriage tip 101. Don't throw your wife under the bus, okay? Take responsibility. He was right there. It wasn't like he was off somewhere and came to the garden. It was like, what did you do? He said he was right there by her side. He was passive. He let her eat it. Yeah, go ahead. The desires give in. But when God shows up, he doesn't want to be a leader. And he says, you know what? This woman you gave me, she made me do it. So then God turns to Eve, says, what is this that you have done? And she says, the serpent made me do it. The serpent deceived me. And so we often point our problems and our sin to other people. And whether you believe it or not, whether you recognize it, you can call it whatever you wanna call it, but we have a sin problem. You and I have a sin problem. Merry Christmas, okay? We, have, we all struggle with sin. None of us are perfect in this room. But here's the beauty. This is exactly why you and I gather here tonight. Because we recognize that we need help, or at least I hope you do. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter five. He says, therefore, as one trespass or one sin led to the condemnation of all men. So what we just read about in Genesis three, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, Adam and Eve, and many were made, that many were made sinners, but by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the sin or trespass, where, uh, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So here's the beauty of today. We have to talk about the bad news to get to the good news. The good news is God promised us a savior. He promised you and I in the midst of the same sin and the curse that happened many years ago. Just as he promised where he said, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel talking to the serpent that I will conquer this and I will provide a savior, a savior who is the same savior then as the same savior for us. That's point number three, same savior. 
And this Savior is someone who would step into our brokenness, step into our hurt, step into our failures and our mistakes and our past and our, our whatever, our doubt, step into our sin. And that this Savior, he would do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And that is reconcile the broken relationship between us and our creator God. And because sin broke that, there is no possible way for you and I to have a relationship with God without Jesus in it. There is no hope. But because of this, because of this promise of a savior, we can be reconciled. And that savior, his name is Jesus. So as we gather, I know presents are fun and the food's fun and the family, they're all right. But let us just soak in the hope that is found in Jesus. And you might be here, maybe you just came because it's what you're supposed to do in the South, go to church on Christmas Eve. Maybe you came with family members and you're like, I don't wanna go to this. I got some church baggage. If you don't have hope, have you looked to Jesus? Above everything else, have you looked to Jesus? And that's why we celebrate and gather and worship and sing year after year after year, day after day, we worship a savior who rescues and restores our relationship with Christ. Would you close your eyes with me? Now, if you have kids, I know that might be hard. Don't close your eyes all the way, okay? But as you close your eyes, I want you to think about this as we continue with worship. This very familiar story found in Luke 2. Listen to these words, just picture yourself there. It says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. But the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you Good news of great joy. Not good advice, not, hey, you should read this article or this book, but good news of great joy that will be for all people, all people. No matter what their past is, no matter how they grew up, for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a savior to step into your brokenness, to step in and rescue you from your sins so you can have a relationship with Christ so that you can have hope. A savior who is Christ the Lord. Now look at me for a second. Hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. And as we sing and as we celebrate an incredible Christmas, let us not forget why we sing and why we worship and why we gather because we were broken. And the only way that we can make, be made whole is through Jesus. He's the only one who can save. Let's pray together. Father, I know for many of us, there's a lot of things that we have to do tonight, but I pray that just in this moment, that the weight of our sin, that we can just feel that, let it sit we're all guilty of it. And we need a savior.
And so, Father, I just pray for the person that might be here this evening who's looking for hope. And they've never turned to you that tonight would be that night. Christmas Eve of 2022, that during this closing song, they would just, in their heart, just talk to you and say, God, I need hope. And the only way I can get that is by having a relationship with you. Will you forgive me of my sin and let me live for you? And that God, we worship you now because of the great hope and reconciliation you provide through your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen. Hey, let's stand, let's continue to worship together. And let's respond to this incredible hope and this, this name that gives us hope.